Land and water protection strategies can take a variety of forms. We'll talk about two of them, land trusts and conservation easements, right now on The LawWorks. From West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Closed captioning for The LawWorks is made possible by a grant from the Monongalia County Bar Association to support legal information and education for all West Virginians. The Law Works is made possible by major grants from the West Virginia Attorney General and from Software Systems Incorporated, a West Virginia company established in 1975 which provides high-end support services, programming, and consulting for county government AS400 mid-range computer systems as well as PC-based systems, and by a grant from the West Virginia Bar Foundation. The West Virginia Bar Foundation the philanthropic organization for West Virginia's legal profession and justice system, promoting public knowledge of the law in West Virginia. Protecting West Virginia's water and land resources is a complex and difficult task. It involves governments at all levels, industry, and individuals. But what can individuals do? My guests are Catherine Garvey, the director of the West Virginia College of Law, Use and Sustainable Development Law Clinic, and Nathan Fetty, its managing attorney. Cat, Nathan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. What are we talking about when we talk about cons con conservation easements? A conservation easement is one of the most traditional ways that people conserve land. It's a contract where the landowner will agree to protect his land. And usually that agreement means that he is going to limit development on the property. So a good way to think about that for me is you have a family farm or maybe the family has a property that they've used. Um, it's a forest property that they've used for hunting and they want the property to stay that way for future generations. Um, maybe there's a community that's growing nearby and there's development pressure to build subdivisions and the conservation easement is a way to restrict development from happening on that property. It pretty much just prohibits development on that property, doesn't it? It can, although their um, conservation easements are extremely flexible and it really it can be tailored to meet the needs of the landowner. So. If the property is being used as a farm, it can, it can continue to be used as a farm. If it was a working forest, it can continue as a working forest. A lot of times what they'll do is put an envelope around the residential area and say, we want the farm portion to remain a farm portion or the forest portion to remain a forest portion. But they really can be, since it's a contract, they can be tailored to meet the needs of the landowner. With whom is it a contract? It's a contract with a land trust or a, it can be a government agency or a qualifying organization. In West Virginia, it's um, usually one of the West Virginia land trusts or um, frequently the, there are farmland protection boards if your county has a farmland protection board. Um, some of the larger land trusts include the West Virginia Land Trust, the New River Conservancy, the Cape and Lost Rivers Land Trust, there's a land trust of the Eastern Panhandle. I think those are some of the major ones. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of land trusts. Mm -hmm. 
how much land is available for inclusion into these kinds of things? Well, first of all, you, you mentioned farms and forests. Are that the, is that the only kind of land that can be considered for inclusion into a land trust? It really depends on the goals of the of the land trust. If um, frequently land trusts have a mission to protect ecologically sensitive properties, they may have specific goals like protecting endangered species, protecting wildlife habitat, maybe protecting water quality, and so they're going to focus their efforts on areas of land that that meet that criteria. So it may be that. Not all farmland is also ecologically sensitive or has, um, is something that they want to commit to protecting in perpetuity. Most conservation easements are supposed to last in, per in perpetuity forever, and so the land trust part of the deal is that they're committing to steward, and monitor, and um, be the watchdog for that property forever. So it's a serious commitment for them, and they want to make sure that it's something worth their time and effort. Okay, let's take a step back. <clears throat> I'm going to refer to mom and pop as owning some real estate. It's a farm, <clears throat> probably a family farm. It may have existed for several generations in the same family, or it may just be the kind of place where mom and pop in about 1950 bought a whole bunch of land really cheap, and they've grown up and raised their family there, and they really love it, and they don't want it to change. How would they go about preserving this land? I would say the, the first step is probably to contact one of the land trusts um, or a farmland protection board if it's, if it's a farm property because they'll be very good at walking the landowner through the process. Um, they can talk about whether it's a property that, they, that the land trust would be interested in, um, whether it might be eligible for any um, tax incentives. Um, I would bet that if they contacted your clinic, you could point them in the right direction. We could. The web address for that, if you'd be interested in looking it up, is landuse, L-A-N-D-U-S-E dot law dot W-V-U dot E-D-U. Landuse dot law dot W-V-U dot E-D-U. And there's a, a pretty good amount of information on, on your website about what these trusts are, what easements are, and how they come about. What do your folks do with regard to these things? We have been the, um, the I guess, the legal arm for some of the land trusts, and we have, we have um, done some of the drafting of title opinions. We'll conduct title examinations, and we'll draft easements to effectuate the land transaction. Okay. What's an easement? An easement um, in this context is uh, as Kat mentioned a little bit, uh, uh, an agreement between the uh, landowner and the land trust to protect whatever uh, conservation values make that piece of property special. People might have heard of easements in other contexts. Some examples would be um, uh, uh, rights of way for utilities or for a driveway from one adjoining piece of property to another. Um, those sorts of things. People, I think, tend to use um, the term uh, right-of-way and easement interchangeably. But this is a particular kind of um, easement that um, isn't so much about uh, uh, access or um, 
you know, anything like that. It's more about identifying and protecting what uh, makes a piece of property special for um, environmental protection. So the easement <coughs> might say, I grant this easement uh, to, to a land trust. The, you know, land trust. Mm -hmm. A, B, or C, whatever, and then it, um, and then the document goes on to spell out, um, you know, what the conservation values are of the property, whether it's endangered species or whether it's for uh, public access and recreation, or maybe it's a historic piece of property or has some kind of cultural value. Um, it, you know, could be any number of things that um, would make the property uh, special, and then the easement document. It spells out all of those different attributes uh, so with would, the aim of protecting. It would them. say you can do this, but you can't do that. That's right. You mm -hmm. can do A, B, and C, but you can't do D. Exactly. And a. That's that's exactly right. Who owns the property after this easement is granted? <clears throat> the landowner continues to to own the property with those development restrictions on it. So they can the landowner can uh, deed the property away. They can will it to whoever they would want to will it to, but the uh, uh, protections would continue to run with the property such that uh, it, the property is protected for whatever term uh, the parties to the agreement specified. It's usually in perpetuity. It could be a shorter period of time. But it needs to be at least 20 years It needs in to West be in, in West Virginia has to be at least 25 years. Um, it needs to be in perpetuity to get a federal tax benefit if that's you know part of the reason for the landowner to get involved. Okay, in let's let's talk about the tax benefit. Let's talk about benefits generally. Why would I want, except for the fact that I want to keep my farm or whatever it is the way it is now? Why would I do this? I could just say you're not going to cut down the trees. You're not going to clear burn uh, the pasture. <clears throat> Well, the, the idea is to protect the property after the landowner is, is gone. Um, the landowner may have a you know, particular attachment um, to the piece of property and want to see it protected uh, for the long term, for forever even. And so um, the land trust in this arrangement is making, as Kat mentioned, a, a, a big commitment to steward and monitor the property uh, forevermore. And basically that mm. means that if you're great-grandson or daughter, or if the guy next door buys it and wants to do something, the land trust, which is a legal entity, yes. will come in and stop that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the idea, is that the land trust monitors the property for any problems um, and enforces the easement if need be. Um, so that's a benefit to the landowner, that there is, you know, somebody looking at, that somebody being a land <coughs> trust, looking out for this piece of property um, for a very long time, for <laughs> perpetuity is a very long time. Um, but there is, there, there is, or at least there can be a financial benefit if the easement is donated, um, there can be a, a, a federal tax deduction available to the landowner for the value of that easement. And typically that's done through an appraisal process, a f very extensive appraisal process where the, um, uh, uh, the landowner takes the value of the property with and without an easement. You take the difference, and that's the amount of the, the, the federal tax deduction that the landowner could take. Some states um, have taken it a step further. West Virginia has not. We don't have any tax benefit for conservation easements per se, but some states have taken it another step and offer uh, a tax credit 
for donations of conservation easements as well. But not West Virginia. West Virginia does not have any incentive uh, like that now. We're talking about the use of land trusts and conservation easements the protect, to protect West Virginia's water and land resources. My guests are Catherine Garvey, the director of the WVU College of Law Land Use and Sustainable Development Law Clinic, and Nathan Fetty, its managing attorney. I'm Dan Ringer, and this is The Law Works. It seems that it would be hard to figure out what the value of a conservation easement is. Everybody would want to say, well, we were going to build thousands of apartments on this farm, so it would be worth billions of dollars, but we've decided instead to donate it to the land trust uh, with conservation easements, so now it's only worth a buck ninety-five. Give me my tax credits. <laughs> Does it, is that the way it works? Well, it's, um, unfortunately, there, there are some instances out there, and we've seen them, I think, in other states, uh, more so than in, in West Virginia, where people have tried to game the system. But um, fortunately, I think the land trust uh, movement, the land trust community has learned some lessons from that and are, are on guard uh, against that sort of thing. And certainly, if there's a federal tax deduction involved or a state tax credit in another state, um, you know, the taxing authorities certainly are uh, aware of those issues and, and, and are on guard against them too, so. But it is a specialty type of, of appraisal and the, um, at least the West Virginia Land Trust has been training appraisers on how to do these conservation appraisals. Right. There aren't very many appraisers in West Virginia who have knowledge on how to do those appraisals, but that number is increasing. They're getting some training and there are some specific standards. I think it's called the yellow book of appraisals. And so um, even though it is tricky, that's their specialty and there are ways to value the properties. Have, have you had good su success in getting the taxing authorities to accept these uh, appraisals? So far? As far as I know, yeah, we've not dealt with any issues that I can think of. Are these uh, conservation easements popular? They're become, they're certainly much more popular in other states and I think becoming more popular in, in West Virginia. Um, it's been only about 20 years ago that the state legislature uh, authorized uh, conservation easements to begin with in, in West Virginia. Um, they've been in place in other states, you know, longer than that. So, um, you know, we see more and more conservation easement activity, I think, as, as um, people learn about them and come to grow comfortable with the concept. Let's look at some properties where conservation easements have been granted so that uh, those of you at home can understand why maybe we want to protect some of these properties. You, you brought some slides. The first one, uh, we have it labeled as Wallace. Tell us what's in this slide. Yeah, these are, all these images are um, provided to us by the West Virginia Land Trust, um, which we work with pretty closely. And the, the West Virginia Land Trust um, holds easements on a number of properties around the state. This particular one, I believe, is the Wallace Hartman Nature Preserve in Kanawha County. Uh, just outside of Charleston. I think this is about a 50-acre tract that's um, open to the public with the uh, hiking and walking trails and um, uh, gets, uh, it, it gets a, a fair amount of use. So the, the purpose of the easement is to allow people to continue to use this <clears throat> as hiking or whatever else is that's available right. in that area. That's right. And if I recall, th this is a piece of property owned by the County Parks and Recreation Board. 
uh, with the West Virginia Land Trust holding the conservation easement on the property to keep it in a natural state and to provide um, uh, public access for outdoor recreation. So even if the county wanted to do something different in the future with this property, they would be constrained from doing That's that. That's exactly right. They would be constrained by the terms of this particular conservation easement. We have another uh, piece of property, uh, Spring Valley. Tell us a little bit about that. Now this is um, a, a farm down near Ronsevert uh, on the, I think the Greenbrier Monroe County lines, um, Spring Valley Farm. And this is a, a farm on which the West Virginia Land Trust took an easement um, a couple of years ago, or maybe not quite that long ago. But it's, um, it's a, a scenic property, of course. Uh, you can tell from the slide. Um, it's also um, uh, a place where there are a lot of uh, valuable uh, springs, water springs that feed into, uh, um, I think it's Second Creek that this property is on, that's a, you know, a clean cold water uh, creek. Well, suppose tomorrow morning somebody shows up and says, hey, my company owns the gas rights under this and we want to start drilling. What happens? Well, um, hopefully they're wrong about that, <laughs> because um, you know the the the, the due diligence uh, process leading up to a, a transaction to protect a piece of property like this would account. Uh, hopefully, we we spend a lot of time in our clinic accounting for uh, mineral severance or separate mineral ownership uh, underneath pieces of property, and you know any other sort of problems like that that might arise. Um, if the gas underneath a piece of property or the coal truly is severed, there's nothing about the easement, and, and the landowner doesn't actually own those minerals, though. There's nothing about the, the conservation easement that would uh, prevent the mineral owner or mineral lessee from, from extracting those minerals. Um, you know, the law in West Virginia is very clear to spell that out. So um, we the try to... The owner's rights basically takes precedence <clears throat> over the surface owner's rights in Well, it in can, in, it, it can in, certain, in certain scenarios, for sure. And so, you know, what we're very careful to do is to account for mineral severance on these pieces of property, account for separate mineral ownership. And if the minerals are severed in some way, it's usually a, um, not a suitable property for a conservation easement. When we say severed, it, it is true <clears throat> in West Virginia that starting... Uh, up, I'll pick a number about 125 years ago. People started selling the coal, the oil, and the gas, and sometimes limestone and sandstone from under their property. And it may still be there, but they conveyed the title to that as if it were surface real estate. They kept the surface, they sold the minerals out from under. We call that severing the minerals. They haven't actually been removed yet, but the ownership is differentiated and it's been severed from the surface owner. Uh, and the mineral owner has the right to come in and use appropriate technology to take the minerals, oil, gas, even water, out from under the property if they determine to do so. And if the minerals have been severed, if the minerals have already been sold, then you have a problem with that property. In terms of putting a conservation easement on it, yeah, it can be problematic. Um, there are some ways around that. Um, sometimes uh, in the, in the, f the federal uh, treasury regulations uh, recognize this as a possibility that you might get a, a geologist uh, uh, to examine the property and determine that the minerals have already been extracted or maybe they weren't even present in the first place and provide a report saying so. Then a land trust is much more comfortable entering into a transaction and a landowner, if they're looking to get the, t the federal tax benefit, uh, likely could, could, could do that. 
Um, it could be that maybe the surface owner um, buys the minerals back or somehow um, otherwise uh, reunites the surface and the minerals uh, to be together so that it continues forward again as a as in sing singular ownership. Um, sometimes the mineral owners will um, agree to some sort of surface use agreement that, that protects the surface, that restricts um, uh, surface disturbance in the extraction of minerals. I mean, there are some techniques. They're not easy to do, but they are out there. Well, for example, if uh, someone owns the Marcellus uh, gas rights to the property, they could agree well, we just won't drill on this particular piece of property. We'll drill somewhere else. If you have an agreeable mineral owner or mineral lessee. And yeah. Similarly, I suppose a coal owner could say, well, we're not going to surface mine this. We'll deep mine it and we'll deep mine it at such a depth that what we want is down there. It's not going to disrupt the surface. D depending on the particulars of the property and the mining plan, it, maybe there's some traction So there. it's not necessarily a deal breaker. It just it makes, it, makes it, it much, much more difficult though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are some other tools that landowners can use to protect the property if a conservation easement turns out not to be right for them. So Nathan mentioned a surface use agreement, but they could also place deed restrictions on the property so when it's transferred to their grandchildren, there are certain restrictions already in place. Um, but conservation easement is, has been the preferred method just because you end up having this permanent stewardship. The land trust is going to come annually to check on the property. Um, typically to, for an actual site visit. If there's a transfer in ownership, typically the land trust is going to come, introduce themselves to the new landowners or the new, um, if, if the property was sold, and explain how the conservation easement works and what's allowed on the property and what isn't. So there's, um, I think for that reason, if, if you can do the conservation easement, it has been preferred. Well, and as, as you pointed out earlier, it's somebody who will monitor the property, come in and tell you to stop if what you're doing or what somebody's doing is in violation of the terms of the easement. Mm -hmm. Now, these things are recorded at the courthouse in yes. what we call the chain of title. Yes. So anyone wanting to buy the property, it would be disclosed to them. They would see that it's there. It's not something that's going to fall out of the sky on your head. You didn't know it was there when you bought the property, and all of a sudden you find out if you did your let's call it due diligence, had a t proper title search performed. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it's, it's important to emphasize, you know, th these are not uh, compulsory arrangements. These are voluntary agreements. You know, nobody, we don't, you know, not looking at arm twisting here, we're not looking at, you know, somebody entering into something that they don't want to do. Uh, the idea is to, you know, have an, an, an amiable relationship between the land trust and the landowner because they're going to be working together a long time. And so, um, you know, there's a real effort, I think, to educate landowners well ahead of time about what they're getting into and um, that it's not a step to be taken lightly. And it's a step that if they want to take, you know, they'll do so eyes wide open and, and voluntarily. Well, we have another image from Summers County, and I think this image speaks very loudly about what we want to protect. Yeah, this is um, yet another um, property on which the West Virginia Land Trust holds an easement in, in Summers County, as, as you mentioned, Dan. Um, this is, I don't remember exactly how big this farm is. I believe it's a few hundred acres. Obviously, it's on the mountaintop. Beautiful views, great scenery, um, some development pressure there. So, um, you know, it was a, a, certainly a property, property suitable for a conservation easement. One of the big problems, and we see it all the time at state parks when you have what has come to be called the view shed. You stand on top of a rock or you on top of a mountain and you look out and it's just absolutely magnificent. 
and then you get the idea that in 10 years you're going to be flashing neon signs down there mm -hmm. and interstate highway going right. through it, things of that sort. This I is designed to regulate at least some of that development. Yeah, and I think land trusts, um, for that reason, a lot of times they'll direct their efforts to expand areas around state or national parks. Many times they'll only prioritize properties that are of a certain size. A lot of land trusts will say, we're not we're not going to enter into an agreement with a landowner unless the property is you know, 25 acres or 50 acres to make sure it's worth their time. But if, if that property can expand the boundaries of an already protected area, then that's going to help expand the, um, <laughs> the habitat for larger species and um, even further protect water quality for those already protected areas. Well, thank you both very much, Catherine Garvey, Nathan Fetty. Thank you for joining us. Remember the website address, it's, uh, look it up here quickly if I can find it, yes, landuse.law.wvu.edu. Contact me if you've got an, in an interest in this. Thank you for being with us. On behalf of the Law Works, I'm Dan Ringer. Good evening. If you would like to suggest a topic for a future The Law Works show, or if you're a school teacher and would like to receive a DVD of this show for classroom use, send us an email to thelawworks at comcast.net or visit us on Facebook. On the LawWorks website at thelawworks.org, you'll find a listing of recent The LawWorks programs, additional information about this show's topic, and video of this and recent shows. You can also find The LawWorks programs on YouTube and iTunes. The LawWorks is produced in cooperation with the Office of the West Virginia Attorney General, the West Virginia Bar Foundation, the Mountain State Bar, the Monongahela County Bar Association, and the West Virginia University College of Law. The Law Works is made possible by major grants from the West Virginia Attorney General and from Software Systems Incorporated, a West Virginia company established in 1975 which provides high-end support services, programming, and consulting for county government AS400 mid-range computer systems, as well as PC-based systems, and by a grant from the West Virginia Bar Foundation. The West Virginia Bar Foundation, the philanthropic organization for West Virginia's legal profession and justice system, promoting public knowledge of the law in West Virginia. Additional support for the law works is provided by the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals, from West Virginia Public Broadcasting.